Hello, everyone. Welcome to Nerd One Podcast. I'm your host, Vincent, and today I am joined by Adam. Adam, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing wonderful. I'm feeling great today. So tonight we want to do something a little bit different. We want to do kind of a movie review for you guys. Movie's been out for a little while called Catching If You Can. Adam, what do you you think about the movie? You know what? It's one of my favorite movies that Leonardo DiCaprio has been in. And it's a lot of adventure. And it's just one of those movies that kind of keep you just keep you on the edge of your seat. So I'll admit that I had not seen it until Adam brought to my attention saying how good it was. I mean, I'm a fan of Leonardo DiCaprio. I like Tom Hanks, but I got to say, this was actually a really good one. And it, it flowed very well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's one of those movies that, like, you kind of get introduced to the character in the very, very beginning. You start to see where they came from. And then you start to see how they, it's kind of like coming of age. Like, they start to, you see how they start and get more, you know, more skilled. And then it just becomes so entertaining. I think it's one of the most entertaining movies that are out there for Leonardo DiCaprio because he's such a great actor. I mean, he's great in everything he does. So I I guess I could say that about a lot of his movies. Yeah. But it's just one of those movies that I can I can watch it. It's a rewatchable. It's a very rewatchable movie. Yeah, one thing I love I love about it, and something you pointed out to me, was that early on in the movie, you could kind of see Leo's character really watching his dad kind of trying to run a scheme or a scam on someone. And, he, I mean, he did it unsuccessfully, you know, once or twice with a bank. He successfully did it with some lady at it was like a, a tuxedo shop or something. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's kind of how he, it seems like how he got kind of started down that path. Of you know becoming kind of more of a, I guess con artist, I guess they would call him. Yeah, yeah, con artist would be the right. I think that would be the right term, probably. Mm-hmm. And another thing I love as well is that how he learned and applied everything he learned so well, like how he was at the bank and the lady told him about the routing numbers and how she had no idea what they do. And really, the guys at the FBI, you know, were kind of explaining how they have no no idea what they do, and it's really him adapting everything he learned so fast. Yeah, I I I definitely agree. What what you said about um, you know what's funny is that when I first watched the movie, I didn't catch that the first time that he was paying attention to what the bank tellers were saying, um, what his dad was saying. Um, all those little tiny little things didn't really come through until maybe the first, uh, let's see, maybe the second or third time I watched it, um, when I knew what was going to happen, I kind of paid a little bit more attention to the details. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that it's really interesting how it shows the growth, like, of the character. Yeah. And one thing I noticed as well is that he was very selective on who he would go to at the banks. Like he would always go to like the, you know, the shy girl, you know, the girl who, you know, maybe he would, he could see kind of take a compliment very easily or very well. 
and he was very selective on who he went to, which, I mean, just kind of showed how he was growing as, you know, a con artist and kind of perfecting his way of doing things. That's very true. I noticed that he liked to pick a vulnerable uh, person that he could use his social engineering with. Yeah. Yeah. And then it seemed like he quickly expanded it to not only making, you know, forgery checks, but really impersonations of people like how he basically impersonated how to be a, um, a pilot. I think it was Pan Am. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I totally understand why when you see the movie, you know, he looked at how everybody treated the pilot and that, you know, when he first tried to go to the banks, nobody wanted to cash his check. Like everyone just looked at him and they're like, we don't know you. We don't know who you are. We can't cash a check to someone we don't know. But Pan Am pilots have that, that respect, sparkling respect, that sparkling, you know, like uh, uh, reputation that everybody wanted to be a pilot. And Mm -hmm. like, it's just so, such a glamorous job and so respectable. And you, you know, fly across the world and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of times um, when you see that, I think that's one of the things that is really big about um, that part of the movie. Yeah. And also kind of go back to how he, you know, kind of developed his, you know, skills on this. I love the scene where they kind of pan over to the tub of his hotel. He has all those toy airplanes in there. He's soaking them just to get the little logo off the off the tail of the plane so you can put them on the checks to make them look so much more official. Oh yeah. Well did you notice in the very beginning of the movie how he was ripping he he had an, a fascination with it. He mm-hmm. would rip he would rip the labels off of the beer bottles, he would rip labels off of stuff. And for some reason he had some kind of weird fascination with that. Yeah. So he knew how to like take, you know, stickers and things off of things. Mm-hmm. And that became a very dangerous strength or a very dangerous skill that he was able to use. Yeah. And then it was like, what, about a quarter way into the movie or so, or maybe a third way in the movie, where the FBI basically almost catches him. Uh, Tom Hanks' character, uh, who was Carl Hanratty, almost catches him in his hotel, literally you know, calls him out from the bathroom, tell him he's the FBI there to arrest him, and how he how Leo just plays off so well saying that he's part of the secret service and, you know, tell him Tom Hanks' character that he's already got him. You know, his partner's just come down to the car. Who's that blind old man who just, I don't know, at that time I just had to chuckle at that. Yeah. He played that off really well because mm-hmm. I couldn't believe he had a re he actually had, uh, you know, like an ex- I, I, like I guess you could say he had an uh, an excuse or or some type of uh, like he was already prepared. Yeah, you know, like, like in case something were to happen. Yeah, like he kind of knew it would happen eventually, so he kind of had some sort of monologue dialogue going in his head of how he's going to get out of it. Yeah, and like I just I thought it was just such it shows his quick thinking, like on his feet. I mean. Like he saw that, you know, his neighbor, his old neighbor was being walked out to the car mm-hmm. by another guy in a suit. And then, you know, he already knew what to say. And then, you know, he kind of just played it off perfect. You know, yeah. just like, you know, yelling out at the thing, like, take him down to the station for me or I'll be right there. Or, yeah. And just, yeah. 
that was actually really, really cool. That was fun. But yeah, then he like moves on from being, you know, the Pan Am pilot to being a doctor. Yeah. How do you do that? Um, <laughs> Watching lots of, I concur. All that, yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's like, <laughs> do, do you concur? Do you concur? Do I concur what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, and, and you know what? His dad did say something about faking it till you make it or something like that. Yeah. And so, I mean, he, it even started that one day when he went to that new school when his parents got the divorce mm-hmm. and he was going to oh, the French teacher. And, yes. And he, and he took over for this and he took over for the substitute teacher yep. and she comes in the office and said, I didn't, I didn't know somebody was already teaching the class. And they're like, yeah, I've been teaching the class for a few weeks. And then, yeah, the, was, then um, <laughs> his parents get called in. I but, love how the mom comes out, gives him like the evil eye. <laughs> Dad comes out, like winks at him, smiles at him a little bit, like, good job, good job. Yeah. It was pretty good, actually, because he got everybody believing it. Yeah. It was really, really good. Yeah, but when um when he was the doctor, I love how like well everything he did in this movie, he really just like watched movies to kind of learn about it. And then at the you know, what was it the overnight um ER? Like that when the kid came in with a broken leg, yeah. How he was shaking, he just basically wanted to get out of there. And the moment he did, he went right to the janitor's closet and threw up. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, that. It's, I, I can't really handle this. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, even though he's playing this character of like you know, he's playing all these false characters or whatever, you know, impersonating these people, he's still like, you see the real the real Frank Abagnale Jr. kind of come out that he's just a kid, you know, like he threw up or, you know, something happens and he's just like genuinely scared or, you know, it's just, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, one thing that happened later on the movie um, that kind of caught me off guard a little bit was he basically mentions his age. Because I know in the beginning of the movie he's, you know, high school and all that, but you know, throughout this entire time, he's still a minor. This entire time, yeah. He mentions later in the movie he's only seventeen, and I kind of figured he would be like in his twenties or so by the time all this was going on. To show him like he he was moving fast on this yeah, stuff, yeah, definitely. And I wondered too, like all the crimes he was doing, like is he going to be tried as a minor, or would he be tried, you know? And I was like thinking that during the course of the movie when it was looking like he was about to get caught again. Yeah. You know, it's just, it was just this big cat and mouse chase. Mm-hmm. And I love how, um, was it the FBI? They figured out his name, his real name, and they tracked down his mom. And they're talking to him. It's like, you need a picture of him. And then they're like, well, we got to go. Like, you know, he's writing some bad checks, he's in some trouble. And she goes like, you know what? I got a part-time job at the church. What's the O? I got some money. It's like $1.4 million. She's like, oh. It's like, yes, ma'am. You have a good day. <laughs> What's out? I know. It's just some of the things, like, just his parents didn't know what was going on. And, like, it just was, like, totally, totally insane. Yeah. But also, one thing that kind of surprised me is how quickly the, F- the FBI got involved on this. Yeah, it seemed like within like what a 
was it two weeks of him doing his first uh, check cashing that they actually kind of caught it and started really going after him. And, you know, they didn't really have the technology that we have today. So it's like it did take a really long time to catch a criminal of that type of when they're not used to getting that type of crime and that type of like, you know, um, you know, with the false checks and everything it's really difficult and even like the whole fbi did you notice how when um uh the fbi agent was trying to tell his colleagues about what was going on and educate them about check fraud they're all laughing and like making all these like misogynistic jokes about you know like well i tell my wife fixes the finances yeah and that kind of stuff and like Mm -hmm. they don't even take this whole thing seriously and he's like the only one taking it seriously yeah uh, and also, what was it? I forget where he was at the time, where he was at the restaurant, and this lady was like, kind of eyeballing him like that. Eventually, they go back to his room, and I think she's a prostitute. Oh yeah, because she's like Jennifer Garner. Yeah, like you know, how much would you, would you pay me for a night? And he kept like up at the ante, and she's like, no more, more. He's like a thousand dollars, and she's like, "Yeah, you can have me all night for a thousand dollars." He pulls out a fake check for uh, fourteen hundred, and he's like, "Oh, let me go downstairs and just you know cash this." She's like, "Well, just sign it over to me, and I'll give you four hundred dollars cash back." <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "Wow, he's actually gotten some real money now with this." I know. Hi, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the Nerd One and Dial Vicious Radio podcast. We'll be right back after this message. It's that I was thinking. I was like, "Oh, he just discovered another." Yep, another way to do this. Scam. <laughs> it was yeah, pretty that, good. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was actually a really funny part and. It was kind of crazy because, like, uh, you couldn't tell, too, in that moment because he was still a minor and mm-hmm. he probably hasn't had that many liaisons with, you know, the opposite sex. And so you could see how nervous he started to get a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of interesting, too. You see, like, the little kid coming out of him in that. Yeah. So Leo did a good job on that part. He did, and one thing I found interesting as well is that when uh, Leo actually starts, you know, calling the FBI, I kind of, as I, th- I think it started more as a taunt. Yeah, but every time that they talked on the phone, it was Christmas Eve. Yeah, and he eventually gets caught on Christmas Eve. So it kind of—I don't know—it didn't mean to, but. It almost for me like had had like almost a wannabe Christmas movie, but not at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because eventually, Tom Hanks just you know character says, "You have no one else to call on Christmas, so you got to call me." Yeah, and after like the, the first call was more of a you know mocking kind of call. Second one, like, are they kind of? Like, frenemies now <laughs> yeah that's exactly so that's what i was kind of thinking like i was actually thinking that it's a very healthy um 
like nemesis relationship like you know when the good guy and the bad guy have this weird respect for each other like um you it's know, like Batman and Joker kind of thing. Exactly. I was about to say that. You totally took those words right out of my head. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, you know that healthy, um, like, oh, you're the only bad guy f- for me. You're like my nemesis. Yeah. You know? And like, today's Christmas. We're going to take a day off. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to me. And we'll continue this fight tomorrow. Yeah. You know? And so that was pretty interesting. And I think that kind of sets the tone for how the end of the movie is because, you know, that's, you know, they've already, <laughs> I think they've become friends because of this. Yeah. They they have like a sense of respect for each other at the end. Yeah. Like, you know, Leo has respect for Tom Hanks's character because like you're a good detective, you kind of follow patterns and all that. And Tom Hanks has you know respect for Leo's character because he's, in a weird way, an artist at this kind of stuff. Right. Like he could just, you know, make things happen beautifully, you know, create things and people will just say yes to it. Not a problem. Yeah. I agree with that. Definitely. But it, but it seems like by the end, um, cause he's basically almost forced to flee the country because, you know, they're, they're onto him. They almost catch him too. Uh, before yeah. he flees the country, he goes to France, I believe, where his mom's from originally. And they actually find him in her hometown. I forget the name of it. I know it's it's. I uh, yeah, I don't remember that either. I just remember France and the was it like a printing factory or something like that? Yeah, um, or a stamp stamp factory or... it, it was it was a factory that used the really old-fashioned stamps like the big machine stamps right because i believe it was something at the postal office that told the fbi that those machines only exist in france and spain oh, yeah. and like he's in france that's where his mom's from let's go yeah you're right and that's kind of where it kind of all led to and one, like, for me, this had a, this movie had, like, one really good tense moment. It was actually when they were in France, where Tom Hanks had him cornered in that, you know, machine shop and said, you know, there's about a dozen French police officers out there. You've embarrassed them. They're mad at you. They'll shoot you down on sight unless you come out with me in handcuffs. And at first, Leo's like, no, 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 no. You're lying to me. You're lying to me. Like, there's no one out there. It's just you. And you can just see in Tom Hanks' eyes, either he's pulling a really good lie because he looks desperate. Like, right. I don't like I don't want you to die. It's like, I want you to come with me. We're going to go back to the States. We're going to try you properly. And, you know, that'll be it. So for me, it's like, is he lying really well? Or is he just want to make sure that Leo doesn't die? Yeah. And it comes out, yeah, the cops were there. They were just kind of holding back. Right. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. But then eventually... That could like, have went wrong. That could have went really wrong right there. Yeah. Because I know eventually he gets thrown into that French prison. And it seems like for a while, because from the time Tom Hanks' character you know, catches him right. to the point where he... Extradites him? Yeah, actually, his hair has grown quite a bit. Yeah. He's kind of got that, you know, really weird goatee thing going on. 
it kind of looks like him from the beach, Leonardo DiCaprio. Pretty, he, yeah, pretty much. When he was kind of, <laughs> I was like, oh, there's Leo from the beach. Yeah. But also, like, near the end, you know, the movie where, you know, they announced they're going to try him as an adult because he stole, was it over $4 million in, you know, fake checks? Yeah. He basically gets sentenced to, uh, was it 20 years in prison, I think? Which to me seems like a very light sentence for, you know, such a rampage in a way. Well, I'm, one, I'm wondering if maybe the time, like the era or the time of year, you know, like, you know, the year that it happened. I wonder if that was, you know, just like how things were cheaper back then. I wonder if sentences were lighter back then. True. You know, it, for stuff like that, that he didn't kill anyone. You know, he didn't really, you know... uh hurt anybody but you know he did steal money and and he got caught and Mm -hmm. it's like that kind of thing yeah and then eventually was it uh tom hanks's character goes to see him in prison and he tells him that he's on to another i forget the name of him um he's basically tracking another paper trail fake checks right and he shows it to leo and he's like oh he's a teller it's like what do you mean he's like oh well you know, they write this way. If they're a teller, they write this way. If they're a person, it's a teller. Go to the bank itself. And then they eventually come back to like, hey, you're going to survive the rest of your sentence working for us. Yeah. And uh, you just see like how he's so crushed to actually be working for the people who caught him. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually comes to the point where, you know, Tom Hanks' character gives him a chance to escape. Like, you know, he put because he puts the Pan Am suit back on, puts the wings back mm. on his coat. Yeah, like I'm going somewhere. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going somewhere. And Tom Hanks' character tells him, "Like, you know, I know you'll be back on Monday because you know it's the right thing to do." And he does come back. And I know at the end it kind of gives a little, you know, detailed of what happens next, saying that he starts designing, you know, fraudulent, you know, less. Able to fraud, well, but it will, no, I know for, what you're trying to say. Yeah, it's like, like hard, forgery checks. Yeah, like basically, yeah. like very, you know, high security checks that are hard to make fraudulent. I guess. Yeah. Or hard to forge. Checks. And and <laughs> how he's actually been a fortune off of actually selling these checks to, you know, Fortune 500 companies. Yeah, and it's it's so awesome how all the bad actually you know equated to something good yeah it it turned to a weird positive yeah like a really weird positive and and that's kind of what makes this story so enjoyable kind of because it's kind of cool it's like if you can't beat them join them yeah and then pretty much you know he he changed uh not you know uh, something that's really frowned upon like being a con artist Mm -hmm. and he made it into a positive where now he's helping the fbi catch other con artists yeah and so I think it's pretty cool. I love how it ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a really <laughs> so much. The movie that must have been a lot of fun to make. It, it looked like it, but I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I mean, we both watched it on Netflix, so it's if you have Netflix, it's something just hop on there, watch it. It was just a little over two hours, you know, before the credits. So yeah, if you have time, I'll say watch it it's a it's a good it's a good ride it's fun definitely 
Yeah, I mean, if you <clears throat> haven't seen that movie, definitely go go out to your nearest Redbox. Or, I mean, if you have Netflix, you don't need it. It's easy to go and just find it in your algorithm and search for it. Um, it is everywhere. It's been out for a really long time, but yeah, I think it's like ten years now. Yeah, I think so. About ten years. Yeah, it's one of those movies I always meant to kind of watch. I just, I just haven't yet until we'll watched it a couple days ago. Yeah, it's a really awesome movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm glad uh, we got to talk about it today too. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, I would recommend it. And you know, one thing I definitely I, recommend it. And one one thing I like to do is if you if anyone listening to this um, enjoys our reviews on this, um, leave suggestions for another movie. We'll watch it. Definitely. I'm totally down to hear people's suggestions because there's a lot of movies that come out and sometimes so many movies come out every year. Not everyone has time to watch every single good movie out there. I mean, we only get to really see the ones that we see the commercials for or the trailers for on accident. Pretty much. So I think that that would be really good. I, I love getting recommendations from friends and family and you know, people listening, that'd be the coolest thing to be able to discover a new movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, I mean, for the movie, that's all I have for today. That's all I got. <clears throat> but well, I'm really glad we got to talk about this today. Yeah. So, I mean, for anyone out there, um, for myself, once again, I am Vincent. You can always find me here at anchor.fm forward slash nerd one. You can find me on Twitter at nerd15nerdone5 or email me at nerd1podcast at gmail.com. Adam, where can everyone find you? Well, I am at anchor.fm slash diovicious. That's D-I-O-V-I-C-I-O-U-S. And pretty much you can search that on any social media platform and you'll be able to find my page as diovicious world radio all right and one more thing is if you like this podcast um please like it subscribe to it share with your friends let's get the word word out but until next time i'm vincent and i'm adam and we'll talk to you guys later have a great night great day have a good night guys Hi guys, well you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash diovicious, that's D-I-O-V-I-C-I-O-U-S, or you can find me on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash diovicious underscore world underscore radio, or you can find me on anchor.fm forward slash diovicious. Thank you guys for listening and have a great day.